everybody. It was so exciting. I'm finished. Yay. I can't, I, I'm still beaming. Can you see the smile? It's so good. Walking out of there yesterday, I was just like, it's very sentimental, but also goodbye. So good. It's nice to be finished. Anyway, I wanted to start off this morning by just giving a big thank you to you all. Um, normally, I'm downstairs in the kids ministry, as Tim was saying, and we have an awesome team down there that serve your children every week. But I wanted to say thank you to you for all your prayers and your support. We couldn't do it without you. We need our church family. And we're so blessed to have such an amazing church that really does support us every step of the way. And I thought I'd give you a little update on where we're up to. Because I worked out that Ben and I have been overseeing kids for about a year now. That's not very long, but a lot has happened since then. So first of all, we've just split into, well, we've split into three rooms we cover age groups from one and walking to 12. That's a big age group, hey. And um, all of those children are in life groups. They all do tithe and offering. They all do worship and praise. They listen to a message. They engage with leaders. They're discipled. Um, a few other things that we do. Uh, we have um, a kids band that's pretty new that facilitates our praise and worship. Ben doesn't awesome job of teaching about six instruments to kids who don't know how to play those instruments. So I think we've got in our repertoire up to about three songs at the moment. So we're doing well listening to the same three every week, but they love it and they're excited. We also do Kids Crew. I don't know if you've heard about that. That's primary school age children serving. They do tithes and offering. They come in and help in the little kids room and help us with that. We also have junior leaders, amazing caliber. Can I encourage you, church, get around the ministries in our church. Youth is producing some of the highest caliber leaders I have seen. They come to our kids' room and they own the room. Honestly, if they were 18 plus, I could comfortably give them things to run, whole things to run. They're some of the highest caliber of young people. So really support youth, lift them up in prayer as well. And we also have cuddle mums, so they come down as well. So we have so much happening. Oh, and I can't forget Kids Down's crew because they're performing tonight, so you'll have to come and watch them. So we have so much happening. And um, I just wanted to say a big thank you to you because we couldn't do it without you. And we're so blessed to really have a church that supports and connects and steps in. Um, and if you're ever keen to come and help out, just put your name down at the Yes Desk or come and see me because we're always expanding and looking to expand. So that's my little pump for this morning of Kids Church. I couldn't get up here and not do that and update you all on what's happening. So turning to this morning. So the title of my message is Tent City and Suburban Streets. And you're going to realize very quickly that I did not come up with that in a very creative way. I kind of stole it a bit from Jesus. So let's get started. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So obviously Jesus here is not talking about literal building. He's not talking about only to the carpenters in the room. 
it's a metaphor for how we live our lives and what we, how the product we want to see in our lives and what we need to do to get there. And so this morning, I'm not talking about wealth and I'm not talking about your physical location. I'm talking about you and your relationship with God. And Jesus makes it very, very clear. I love that in this scripture, he says, you take what you've been given and you either use it as a foundation or you use it as an addition. You see, we all have access. We all have access to God. We all have access to the fullness of a relationship with Jesus. But it's up to us whether we take that and we use it and in what way we use it. We either take the abundance we have been given and live there on houses made of rocks in suburban streets or we take the abundance we've been given and we build in a way that we desire and we live in tents intensity. And the way that I got to tent city and suburban streets is that I didn't, when I read this scripture, I thought, I wonder what a church would look like. I wonder what, it's fair enough Jesus is talking to the individual, you either build your house on sand or on rock, but what does our church look like? What does the church look like? And if you were standing or sitting in a helicopter or in a small plane and you look to your left, would you see broken down buildings? Would you see buildings that have been damaged by the elements, by circumstance, and then people have made additions and little improvements and patched things up here and there? Would you see a tent city? And then if you turn to the right, would you see suburban streets? Would you see a few leaves blown away on the trees, but other than that, it's all intact, it's all sturdy, it's all normal. And this is a town, but the two sides don't go together. It's either or. Your location is either intense city, your location is, or your location is in suburban streets. We choose. So the question isn't about uh, size, it isn't about quality, it isn't about creativity, it isn't about what your house looks like, it's about location. Where are you building? We all have access to suburban streets, our plot of land is waiting for us, waiting for us to build. And until we choose, we unwittingly pitch a tent intensity on unsturdy ground. We choose. Where are we building? Point one, where are we building? So Tent City attracts Christians who don't like to build foundations, who are, looking for stable or, who are not looking for stable or sturdy, who are in it for the short term, who are not sold on this location, who are uncertain, who believe but do not have personal revelation, who have good intention but don't back those intentions with action, who feel the effects of their circumstance, who do stuff but aren't sure why, and who don't understand the concept of building or investing. And then if we look at suburbia, suburbia attracts Christians who are willing to invest, who take the time to build good foundations, who reap the benefits of sturdy walls and solid ground, who are protected from the effects of their circumstance, who are certain and have personal revelation, who are in it for the long haul, who do stuff and they know why, 
and who have godly intentions that produces godliness and godly fruit. So where are you building? This morning, the question isn't about size, it isn't about quality, it isn't about product, it isn't about design. The question is about location. Where are you building? And are you making a purposeful choice to build a house on rock? So if we look back to Matthew 7, 24 to 27, for the residents of Tent City, we can ask a couple of questions. Is Jesus an incidental addition to your life? Are you trying to use God to make homeowner improvements? Is the word of God simply a Bible study that only goes skin deep? The consequences of this form of building are clear, and I really hope you catch this this morning. The consequences are laid out for us in the scripture. We are sitting bait to our circumstance. We are sitting bait to hardship. We're not protected. If you sit this morning and ask, why are the storms damaging me? Why is the mountain unclimbable? Why do I feel like I've been set up to fail again and again and again? Why does everything affect me in my life so much? Your next question has to be, where am I building? Chances are you've forgotten to build and you found yourself pitching a tent in tent city on unstable ground, unfulfilled. Residents of tent city have good good intentions but lack action. They aren't enjoying the fullness of a relationship with Christ. And that's the point that gets me every time. I believe that Jesus labelled people who pitch tents intensity as stupid carpenters because they chose to ignore what was freely given to them. We all have access to a relationship with Jesus, but residents of Tent City choose to use that relationship as an addition rather than the foundation. And then if we turn to residents of suburbia, again, the scripture is clear. We must build strong foundations. We must work the word of God into our lives. And the interesting thing and the thing I love about this is that you can tell. You can see it. You can feel it. You can hear it. You hear it when someone talks about God in a way that they know him. They love him. He's personal to them. You hear it. (coughs) Sorry. Excuse me. You feel it when they stand firm on the word of God in a really tough situation. You feel that assuredness, that faith. And you see it through their diligence in purposefully building their relationship with God day in, day out, reading the word, fasting, tithing, coming to church, worshipping. All those things we know are put in place to build relationship. Residents of suburbia have built themselves from the ground up with the right foundations. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you hear it? The fruit, the consequence, it's clear. It's written right there, plain to see. So it's your choice this morning. Are you invested? Are you building? We are either the smart carpenter or the stupid carpenter. We, are either, we either have a house on sand or a house on rock. Our postcode is either Tent City or Suburbia, either or. Where are you this morning?
Have you pitched a tent or have you built a house? The thing about Christianity is that a long time ago I made a decision that if I'm going to do this thing called Christianity and believe in God and know him, then I'm going to live in the fullness of that. And I'm not going to do it half-hearted because what's the point of that? And I guess that this is the distinction that you can believe and you can know of, but there's a difference between building a house on rock. There's a difference between living in suburbia. We have to build. Good intentions to add Jesus to your life will get you a tent intensity. Building a relationship with God whether he is your founda- where he is your foundation will result in a suburban house built on rock. So how do we build church? If we know we want to relocate to suburbia, how do we build? The keys are found in the earlier parts of chapter 7 of this passage. And for um, ease, I've split them up into two points. So point number one, there are no shortcuts, only dead-end pathways to tent city. So Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life is God, or the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. It's pretty intense. I find that intense when I read it. Vigorous and requires total attention. Like, honestly, that's really hard. But I think that we forget that sometimes we read a scripture and we process it through our human brain and we interpret things. And so, so often we can read that scripture and we can say, okay, so now I've got to work harder to be better, to build stronger foundations and I've got to do more and I've got to invest more and it's more action and let's get going. But that's our human nature speaking because the God that I know doesn't require anything for me to do to earn his love or for me to do to earn his grace. In fact, it's already been given. And so if we read now Luke 10, to, um, 38 to 42. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, Jesus, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. I love this passage. Because that's me, and I'm sure that's some of you this morning. The Marthas in the room who try so hard to host Jesus, who try so hard to have everything ready and do everything right by the book, and they miss the key. They miss it. And this morning, I wanted to take time out to talk to some of you who are feeling burdened by this concept of building and are feeling like maybe coming up to me and saying, but I already do X, Y, and Z. I already do this. You're telling me I have to do more? You're telling me I have to build more? Because it's very different, the concept of 
being and the concept of building. Building does require something. It does require action. But it doesn't require striving and it doesn't require your strength. You see, when we enter into a relationship with God, he is God and we rest on that. And when you build a relationship, you don't do it through striving or pushing. You do it with Jesus. You do it with the Holy Trinity. And when you do that, you find strength. And that strength is forever. That strength does not lapse because he does not lapse. That strength is in you forever. Church, let's say no more. No more to burnt out. No more to worn out. No more to tired. No more to stress. No more. And if you are in that place this morning, perhaps it's time to ask, where am I building? And I say this with no judgment and no conviction, um, no condemnation, because I think that we all go through seasons of forgetting where our location is, of forgetting to build on rock. But if you forget, you will find yourself in tense city, unfulfilled, unsatisfied, unhappy, stressed out, tired, worn out, doing things just because that's the rhythm of your life. Relationship with God. He is your strength. He is your strength. I love that Martha thought she was doing her best because so many of us think we are just giving our best. And she missed it. She missed that all he wanted was her. And all he required was her and time with her. Do you know that you're enough this morning? Do you know that you're enough? That you were enough in your darkest moment and he died for you anyway and he gave you grace anyway and he loved you anyway and you are enough. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to clean your life up before you encounter Jesus. And I will qualify this and say that Jesus will mess you up and he will build you up and he will fix you and he will take you to where he wants you to be. And change is required, but he meets you where you are, sitting wherever you are, in your tent, in your house, and it's your choice to build. We all have access, church. Cannot stress that enough, each one of you this morning. We forget that he already knows us in our brokenness and we did nothing to deserve his grace or his love. Yet he still comes. Good intentions to add Jesus to your life will get you a tent, intense city. Intention isn't enough, unfortunately. Intention to wake up early and read your Bible isn't enough. Intention to start praying more, it isn't enough. Action, building, doing something, investing, building a foundation. So the second, so the first point, no shortcuts. Second point, relationship will always matter the most. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, this is right before the scripture about the good, the good carpenter and the stupid carpenter. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did not prophesy 
in your name, and in your name, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. And I think the scripture just cuts out anything hazy you could have considered Christianity to be like, because either you know him or you don't. And that's pretty much the end of the subject. Either you know him or you don't. That's really intense if you don't know God. Because the God that I know fought for me all the way along. And the God that I read about in the Bible fought for his people the whole time. It's so funny because I've worked on this part of this message for so long because I don't know how to put into words for you how much God desires relationship with you. I feel like I could just get up here and read the whole Bible and be like, do you get it now? Like, do you? Because it's throughout the whole thing. So how about we just read our word and understand? So um, I'm always just tempted to do that, but I won't do that to you. So if you want to take down a note, Romans 5 is a nice place to start if you're looking for something short but another thing that was really funny was that Caroline posted this blog called Christmas Started in the Garden and that's another amazing creative um, post filled with imagery about how much God desires you and how much he wants relationship with you so read that as well but this is my attempt okay so are you ready my little synopsis so if we look first in, the, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see that God and Adam had direct, tangible, face-to-face relationship. Incredible. So did Eve when she, when she was created. And then sin came, and sin interfered with that. And so for, the, for much of the Bible, we see this picture of God unable to have that direct relationship with his people, generally speaking. And then we come to the Christmas story. Reason why we're all here, right? In five days' time. Christmas story. And we see that God gave us the ultimate gift. John 3, 16 to 18. I know you all know it, but we're going to read it. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind son of God when introduced to him ultimate gift of all time, the Christmas story. And then we read the Easter story and we see that Jesus died for us and he took away that interference that sin created and now we're able to live in that direct, tangible relationship with the Holy Trinity. God our Father, Jesus the Word and the Son and the Holy Spirit our friend. And so we see this incredible image of our God a God who seeks relationship with each of us in and out, month after month, year after year. Do you know you're not here by an accident this morning? He is seeking you out. He is such a good God to us. And all he wants 
is us. All he wants is us to surrender and say, God, I will live in relationship with you. I will build a house on the rock of your word. I will work it into my life. I decide to follow Jesus. We have not, we cannot, and we will not ever do life well without a relationship with God. We cannot, we will not, and we have never done it well. It is fundamental, basic, foundational, and pivotal. It is everything. It is everything. So let's read that original scripture one more time. Matthew 7, 24 to 7. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. What words, church? No shortcuts. Relationship. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded or tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So two questions. One question, really. Where are you building this morning? Where are you? Are you in tent city, pitched in a tent, trying to make life work and trying to add Jesus where you can? Or is he your foundation? Is he the very thing your whole life rests on? How do we build? So no shortcuts, church. No shortcuts. Coming to church is not a replacement for a relationship with God. Relationship always matters most. And so this morning, I have a pretty important question for you. Pretty important. First of all, if you're in Tent City, can I, can I encourage you? It's never too late to build. And it's never too late to decide that Jesus, you are worth it and I will build my life on you. It's never too late. And the second question is, do you know God? Do you know the Holy Trinity? Do you know them? Are you in relationship with them? And I think that it's one thing to know of God, and I think many of us can say that, a lot of people can say that. But do you know him? Is he familiar with your world? Have you let him in? Have you been vulnerable? Have you accepted him as your God? And as we close our eyes this morning, I'd love to invite you that if you... You can close your eyes, guys. Come on. (laughs) We were respecting this moment. So... I'd like to take a moment just to ask if you are in relationship and just to have, have a check about where you're at. And there's no condemnation. There's no moment of judgment. In fact, there's excitement. We're so excited. I'm so excited 
that some of you in this room this morning are considering whether you would like to invite the King of Kings to be involved with your life, to have relationship. And so if that is you this morning and you know your intensity and you know that you might have been building something but it wasn't a relationship with God, would you raise your hand so that I can pray with you and I can stand with you in this decision and we can say never again will we be found in tensity. Never again will we be found without God. If that's you this morning, feel free to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. It's so exciting. So let's all say this prayer together, church. Stand with those ones and twos that have made that decision. Dear Jesus, I know you're here with me. Thank you for paying the debt I incurred. Was that too long for you? Should I try again? Thank you. (laughs) I know you're here with me. Thank you for paying the debt I incurred. I'm sorry for doing it my own way. And today I hand over to you all my sins, all my failures, and all my mistakes. I choose to make this count for eternity. In your name, amen. Yay! If that was you um, this morning, make sure that you head to the Yes desk and get connected. It's really important that this isn't the end. This isn't the decision and then there's nothing else. We're a church family and we want to unite with you on this decision and make sure that you have the best start to your Christianity ever. Okay? And church, can I encourage you, keep building, keep reminding yourself it's relationship with God. That's what matters. Not all this stuff. Relationship with God. Okay, so now we're going to pass back to Pastor Sam.